Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that can earn 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account. A high-yield, low-effort way to grow your money with no fees. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone to start earning and growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners. Subject to eligibility. Savings accounts by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour. So, whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season or fill your glass for Pinot by the fire season, you can save time by getting fall sips delivered in just a few clicks. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. Add life to cart. What's going on, Sharks Territory? We have the latest news for Evander Kane, the new requirements to get into the Shark Tank, the ranking for the Sharks' prime green home jerseys, and of course, the recap of the Sharks' overtime winner against Detroit, and a preview of the Sharks versus Rangers game. I am Aaron James, and this is the Shark City Podcast. Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly on Wednesday notified teams around the league that the NHL is looking into the process in which Evander Kane, who used to be the Sounds of Sharks forward, he was released about a week ago, uh, crossed the border from the U.S. into Canada less than 10 days after he was placed into AHL protocols. For those of you who are unaware, Evander Kane had already faced disciplinary action for breaking league protocols. It cost him a 21-game suspension into which he never returned to the San Jose Sharks main roster. He had been playing for the Barracuda. Uh, not too long ago, in the previous podcast, we were talking about how there were rumors of teams already interested in signing him, two of which were the Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Maple Leafs was more of speculation, perhaps even rumor-based, whereas Oilers general manager Ken Holland would on record to say... When the situation doesn't work out somewhere else to give someone an opportunity, do I believe in it? The answer is yes. End quote. So it seems as if now, when the teams are just about to offer, potentially even ink, a deal with Evander Kane, the league is now stepping in and investigating his trip back home from U.S. to Canada and that action may face further disciplinary action that may prevent any NHL team from being in contract talks with him. Of course, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly was the one who confirmed that Evander Kane is eligible to talk 
to other teams during the grievance process as the NHLPA, the Players Association, and Evander Kings represented filed grievance against the Sounds of Sharks. The Sounds of Sharks, who placed Kane on unconditional waivers for purpose of contract termination, intend on cutting ties completely with the Ford via not paying him out the remaining of his $22.9 million salary, um, citing breach of contract. First, we were thinking, okay, the NHL is going to allow Vander Kane to resume his hockey career at a pro level, at the you know top elite level being the National Hockey League. And now that has changed to he may not even be able to sign at all. So I don't know. Signing in Canada made sense since that's where his family was from. That's his hometown. And um, it appears as if, you know, the stars were aligning, so to speak, until this, you know, uh, just most recent news pretty much saying, oh, well, hold your horses, <laughs> right? Um, from my understanding, he's looking for a one-year deal, so I expect him to not necessarily be um, – being offered or you know signing like at a discount price, but I can't imagine him necessarily taking you know um, an extended uh, multi-million, multi-year deal. It just doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen. From my from from the way it looks, is Kane is just looking for a team to resume his career with, and then who knows if you know starting next season he'll have the option to either be an unrestricted free agent and talk to other teams, or you know potentially uh, you know stay with whoever. He signs with if the league lets him sign. So anyways, uh, just to retrace the steps, Evander Kane was released by the Sharks. He filed a grievance. He started talking to NHL teams. There's interest in um, in clubs up north. He was approved to talk to those teams and sign and potentially play during the grievance process. And now his actions that got him released in the first place are being investigated and that may potentially prevent any team from signing them in general, a.k.a. you know, Evander Kane may not play hockey this year. So, yeah, it's flustering. It's back and forth. It's seesaw. It's give and take. It's hot and cold. It's yes and no at this point. You know, um, whichever, right? Spin the wheel. We'll take, we'll take you know, um, anyone's best guess as what's next for Evander Kane. Obviously, here on this podcast, we hope that he resumes his career. We hope whichever, um, you know, things that may have came to light into the public, uh, you know, he gets a handle on. Um, you know, some people go as far as say, oh, I hope he gets the help he needs. Well, you know, I'm not going to go that far because I don't know the guy. But I will say, um, you know, I wish him nothing but the best of health and luck in his future endeavors. As I mentioned in the past podcast, his time with the Sharks is done. So, the, you know, the chapter for that is it's got to be closed. Uh, that's kind of how I feel with like Joe Pavelski and Joe Thornton and Barkley Goodrow and, you know, Dylan, etc. You know, you see a lot of people on social media, you know, reminiscing like they still like uh, want to cover. And I get it. You know, some of the legends I understand, especially if it's like milestone stuff like like Joe, Joe Thornton just recently reached 1700 games. Now, that kind of stuff makes sense. But like, you know, some people would like to... Um, Share and still obsess over some highlights like an assist or a goal, and it's like, hey, you know, got much love, and you know, once a shark, always a shark kind of attitude. But if he's actively playing in another team's sweater, then he's on that team, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Joe Thornton, he's been removed from a shark for a minute now, 
He was in a Toronto sweater. Now he's in a Florida sweater. Joe Pavelski, on the other hand, he... I'll be honest with you. I'm a little biased when it comes to Pavelski. People will say what they will about the contracts that we have now that prevented us from signing the captain, but he had a choice. He could have signed. He could have stayed in San Jose. He chose free agency. He chose to get the best deal possible for his talent, for his services. He chose to be a Dallas star. He goes to the Stanley Cup final with the Dallas Stars, and he's on his contract year, and I believe earlier when he um, when he was talking to media and they asked if he had any plans on maybe coming back to San Jose, he, was, he made it quite clear that he wants to stay in Dallas, and obviously he, you know, he wants to work out a contract with that franchise. So Pavelski's a star, okay? He's a star. And at this point, he's as much a star, a Dallas star, as he is a San Jose Shark, given that he went to the finals with both clubs. I digress. Um, the reason why we began with the Vatican news, even though I was just mentioning that, you know, that chapter in San Jose Sharks um, territory is already closed, is because of the following news, which will follow up. First, let's give the news part, okay? Um, the new entrance requirements again to the Shark Tank have changed. We, uh, Shark City Hockey reported on this in December that the San Jose uh, City Council was uh, the mayor and the city council were to vote on um, changing the requirements to get into the Shark Tank to now having to show a proof of a booster. And um, what we have that's updated is that apparently now I'm not you know don't quote us on this. I believe the Shark Tank is still trying to figure out whether or not they're going to do it this way or if they're just going to stick to how it is now and obviously require the booster. Well, the city is now allowing that you could submit a negative test to be a part of large indoor events held at public facilities. So it'll be very interesting to see if the Shark Tank starts allowing their fans to do well, I'm not, again, you know, this This is all have yet to been decided, but it'll be, you know, at the time of this podcast, I should say, <laughs> let me timestamp this thing, um, but it's all um, pretty much coming down to whether or not the Sharks are going to require the booster, and that's it. That's the only way of getting in, or if you could give them a negative test result, I'm not too sure if it's going to be 72 hours, or if it has to be like a rapid antigen test, like right there at the door. Who knows? They might try to like you know find a way to um, synchronize it with the app that they've been pushing on people all season. So you know that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. But these two stories, the Vanna Kane fiasco and then the requirements to get in the uh, arena, is kind of one of the f- uh, focus points, one of the first uh, parts of this podcast. So Tyler Bertuzzi entered the Shark Tank, and if you're out there and you are maybe a casual fan or you're just a fan of the Sharks and you don't concern yourself with uh, the names and the rosters of any other 31 NHL clubs, that's fine. I got you. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is a Red Wing from, and he's pretty much like equivalent to uh, Aaron Rodgers in the NFL, being that he blatantly, publicly, uh, states how he is not interested, nor does he have any plans in getting, or, or uh, excuse me, better yet to say, um, abiding by 
the NHL safety and health protocols that are in place. In other words, you know, uh, requiring that every person on the roster needs to be inoculated. Personally, I don't care what his status is. I don't care what people choose. I, I really, it, it's none of my business. I think that's kind of one of the things in the past couple of years that started to become more of a, a common practice amongst the public is, you know, um, they started to take their positions in the court of public opinion a little bit too seriously. And, uh, you know, they went out there, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, people out there want to, like, actively um, try to discredit or shame people for whatever their choice may be. So I don't want this to be one of those, like, um, things where you think, okay, well, you know, you're coming down on someone who has their own personal choice. That's not what this is about. Um, so with all that <laughs> with all that being said, um, all I want to know is where is the outrage? Where Where is the outcry? Where are all those voices who criticize Kane for his status and alleged fabrication of said status? More importantly, even before Kane's release, why was it okay for Sharks to play Tyler Batuzzi twice? One game at the tank and one game at the pizza arena. Someone needs to explain that to me. Evander Kane did not practice with the Sharks. He did not show up to the team facilities until he was fully uh, inoculated. And yet he was suspended and he was recently released for breaking said protocols. Now, there might be some gray area until, you know, his traveling, etc. That's all going to be part of the grievance process. We'll see what happens with that. These are just the allegations. And Bertuzzi has served a suspension himself, from my understanding. But to this day, he's on a main roster. He's taking shifts on an NHL rink. He is breathing on our boys. And it's okay. He he entered the shark tank at a place where not even the, the fan could get in there without having to show proof. And he got to be in that rink, you know, sweat, heavily breathe, compete, in a, you know, pro-level sporting event. And that happened... On the same day when you know this um, this whole new ordinance was adopted, so luck of the draw for him. But even prior to him visiting San Jose in Detroit on January fourth, just a week ago, the Sharks played him when Evander Kane was still a part of the franchise. I don't know. Someone needs to explain that to me. Why it's more offensive? to play with the Vander Kane than it is to play against Tyler Bertuzzi when Tyler Bertuzzi is blatantly telling people, I'm not getting that. And Kane has done it. He's playing, obviously, on the AHL roster. If he hadn't, he wouldn't be. 
At least that's the uh, standard that he's held up to. So someone needs to explain it to me. I don't know. Perhaps it's one of those things that resonate with like how the Sharks announced Kane's termination after he shared the Hockey Diversity Alliance Tap Out Hate Initiative. For those of you who don't know, the HDA is joining forces with Budweiser Canada and other NHL clubs around the league with custom hockey tape that states racism has no place in hockey. Toronto Maple Leafs published a graphic and a quote of Wayne Simmons for the hashtag Tap Out Hate campaign. Meanwhile, the Sharks announced Kane's release, same day. If I'm not mistaken, Jasper Weatherby is the only Shark to show support publicly via Twitter. I'm pretty sure those are two separate things. Pardon my speculations here. Uh, Sounds they did announce that a video game tournament will be conducted for a second year in a row. Shark Pacific Cup, which is an EA Sports NHL 22 hockey tournament, will have the largest uh, cash prize ever to be awarded for a full team tournament. So that's uh, six players. You need to have players to pretty much play every position on the ice, including the goalie, uh, to be a part of this tournament. But it has the most cash or the highest cash prize ever in EA Sports NHL history, totaling to three, excuse me, totaling to $30,000. So if you're interested in checking that out or even being a part of it, uh, you can look it up at the Sharks webpage, uh, search Pacific Cup. The NHL announces all-star roster on ESPN Sports Center. Uh, Timo Meyer had been voted in, and it's not shocking. The guy has an outstanding performance. You know, he's having an outstanding year for the Sharks, especially one that started with him. You know, um, being like kind of benched and being told by Bob Boudner that he needs to prove himself. Uh, Well, he's done so. He's been voted into the NHL All-Star Game. Uh, What's interesting about that is that um, Peter DeBoer has been named to coach the Pacific Division. Other coaches for each division include Rod uh, Rod Brittemore of the Hurricanes for the Metropolitan Division, Andrew Burnett of the Florida Panthers for the Atlantic, Jared Bednar of the Avalanche for the Central, and Peter DeBoer of the Vegas Golden Knights will be the Pacific Division coach. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, it's Timo time. It's All-Star time. Uh, congrats, Timo Meyer. I believe Logan Couture, captain, is one of the last man in candidates. Um, some of the people I believe that we were able to vote on were also uh, Hurdle and Carlson to represent the Sharks. But yes, Timo Meyer, rightfully so, deserves uh, the opportunity to be a part of the uh, Skills Showcase and the NHL All Star Game. Uh, San Jose Sharks. Home jersey, their new prime green jerseys have been ranked by USA Today. Uh, The current jersey that the Sharks wear for home games is 17th overall. So that's not too shabby, not too bad. Um, Of course, for most of you Sharks fans out there, the one that mattered the most was the number one all-time ever greatest hockey jersey voted, and that's the Heritage jersey. We'll see when the Sharks come back to that. All right, so uh, let's uh, do the recap of the Sharks and the Wings. Sharks devoured the Wings and Octopus, might I add. Uh, the Sounds of Sharks return home for f- the beginning of a five-game homestand. They're playing five of the uh, of their next six games at home. Uh, the one game that is not at home will be on the road against Seattle. 
Um, the Sharks extended their winning streak to three games when Logan Couture, who was uh, playing his first game back after clearing protocol, scored the game-winning goal in overtime. Uh, that would be uh, Logan Couture's 13th goal of the season. Uh, the game began with Timo Meyer opening up the scoring for the Sharks with his 15th goal of the season. The goal came on the power play during the first period. Uh, Sharks were one for three on the man advantage, so you know we were able to handle that power play goal, but everything else kind of fell through after that. Jonathan Dolan and Brent Burns recorded the assist on Meyer's goal. Dolan showed off his hand-eye coordination. It was so nice uh, as he took the pass from Burns, who was at the blue line. It actually happened twice. So um, Dolan was like showing off his stick handling skills, his hand-eye coordination, um, crossing the face-off circle. You know, goes back, reverse, passes it to Burns, gets the pass back from Burns, and does the same thing, driving himself toward the net. Um, he stick handles his way through the faceoff circle, as I mentioned, and he backhands a pass, and that met uh, Timo Meyer's stick, who had the wide open net. Just tap it in. Uh, even though he wasn't involved on the score sheet, in my opinion, Tomas Hurdle was a key factor on that goal because he was uh, providing a screen on the goalie uh, leading up into the score. Uh, seemed as if Hurdle provided just enough distraction for Alex, and I'm going to try my best on this one. Nedeljkovic, okay, so Alex Nedeljkovic, um, he had a screen in front of him. The pass actually went across the crease, including in between a Red Wing defender's legs. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. And, um, yeah, that just split second of losing sight of it from the screen from Tomas Hurdle allowed the puck to uh, pretty much cleanly make its way across the blue paint in the crease. And Timo Meyer just had a wide open net. It was awesome. Uh, really nice to see the power play uh, finally come through, especially early on in the game. Uh, fast forward to the third period. The Sharks are down 2-1. to one. They allowed a goal, 22 seconds, like uh, remaining in the second period, and another, like within the first two minutes of the third. Um, so it was starting to look like, oh, great. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully, don't fall apart. But just 90 seconds later, Jeffrey Ville, he scored his second goal of the season to tie the game. And it was unique because uh, he was actually like trying to fight off a defender while driving towards the net. He was using one hand to control the stick and his puck on his right side. And using his like his left hand slash arm to try to like push off uh, the Red Wing defender, and um, he lost his balance and he started to slide into the goalie. And um, I'm telling you, it resembled like a baseball player trying to slide to the home plate. But Ville Ville just slid in there, and the puck came along with him, and the goal counted. <laughs> it was pretty pretty unique. I, I don't I don't think I recall the last time, um, you know, it looked like someone. Almost like a soccer kick slide, like literally, like just him and the puck just crashing the net, the net together and it counted. So good for the Sharks because obviously, you know, uh, that proved to be vital as the game went into overtime. Uh, Jeffrey Ville also uh, came an assist shy from recording a Gordie Howe hat trick. He was in a fight in the first period. Um, he dropped the gloves against Detroit's Giovanni Smith. For those of you who may recall, Giovanni Smith was in a fight with Jacob Middleton in last week's meeting between the Red Wings and the Sharks. And after the fight, he put a pretty nasty hit on him, and Jacob has been injured since. So uh, the fight occurred 
like almost like the minute those two were on the, on the ice with the same shift with each other. And uh, Bill actually had this to say about his decision to essentially answer back to Smith in uh, the 3-2 victory over Detroit. That was part of my game, and uh, it was kind of a dirty play by him. So I uh, just want to um, remind him that – or remind anyone that, uh, you know, we're going to defend each other and we're going to protect our teammates. Adam Raska made his NHL debut and played in his first career game. For those of you who remember Adam Raska, he was one of the harder hitting and uh, definitely um, had some of the great assists and goals off in the preseason and during the Arizona rookie faceoff tournament. Uh, he played six minutes and 24 seconds against the Detroit Red Wings in his first NHL game. He had a plus minus of one and recorded three hits. Um... Adam Raska has been playing with the Sounds of Barracuda. He p- played 21 games before getting the call up to the main roster, and he has uh, two goals and four assists with the Cuda. I honestly thought Adam Raska was going to be one of the uh, rookies to make uh, opening night roster. I definitely suspected that he was going to be on the Sharks a lot earlier than he is now, considering that it's midway through the season. And, you know, I'm glad to have him. He has the Im- he has the potential to impact the game and change the momentum, not just the way he hits, but the way he plays. Um, super excited to see the kid lace up in a shark sweater. Uh, Detroit tried to spoil the Sharks overtime with a tradition of their own, so that's had a lot of people buzzing in Sharks territory. Uh, the octopus, right? Um, the- an octopus was thrown on the ice. It's a good luck charm that is usually done at Detroit home games but it did not work in Sharks territory and the Sharks were still able to continue the play, which eventually was the game winning shift. And I'm really excited about that because the minute I heard that an octopus throwing the ice, I was like, please do not stop the game. Please do not have a stoppage because the Sharks, they, they, they were rolling. They had the momentum. It seemed as if they were going to control that game. And plus when the Sharks are three on three, they're 6-0. They improved a 6-0 in OT. So I'm glad that the refs decided to um, let play continue from understanding. Logan Couture has seen it and pointed it out. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. Uh, th- that octopus did cause quite the stir in Sharks territory. But from what I've read on ESPN, it appears as if it wasn't real. It was actually fake. So, you know, that's a good thing because for for two things. Number one, imagine if someone was sitting there that whole entire 60-plus minutes of hockey. (laughs) That's not even including the moment, you know, you show up to the arena and by the time that overtime uh, face-off occurred, you know, the opening face-off in overtime. But imagine sitting by that person or just being that person sitting there with an actual, like, squid under the sweater or wherever they kept it. So yeah, it turned out being fake. And I thought what was pretty cool was Dan Dan Rusinowski's call of the live action. The Sound of the Sharks released on Twitter, radio broadcaster Dan Rusinowski's call of the not just overtime goal, but the incident that led up to it. Uh, Let's give that a listen. Couture's pointing at the octopus, and the linesman gets it on the board. Here come the Sharks moving in now. 
Stick handling. Dahlman across the ice to Burns. Throwing it to the front of the net. Where is it? It's under the line. Scar! Logan Couture gets the winner for the Sharks in OT. The octopus thrown on the ice did not work for the Red Wings. The Sharks get the victory in overtime. One minute in. The San Jose Sharks will face the New York Rangers Thursday, January 12th at 7.30. The Sharks will face the Rangers for the 45th all-time game between the two clubs. The Sharks are 11-26, 3-4 all-time against the New York Rangers. The Rangers have played 20 games at the Shark Tank and are 12-5-2-1 when visiting San Jose. Uh, Rangers prospect Brandon Schneider, a 20-year-old defenseman, was recalled from the American Hockey League's Wolfpack and will make his NHL debut in San Jose. Ex-Sharks and fan favorite Barkley Goodrow will not be in the lineup due to protocol. And Sharks nemesis and fan detested Ryan Reeves will also be available for unavailable for tonight's game due to protocol. The Rangers are 3-2 and two in their last five. As for the Sharks, they look to extend their three-game winning streak. The Sharks will be without Jacob Middleton, who sustained that upper body injury against Detroit, as we mentioned previously. James Reimer has been placed on the injured reserve, listed, listed as having a lower body injury. Coach Bob Booner said that the placement on IR is not indefinite. It's more of a week-to-week basis. Nick Benito is expected to play after clearing protocols. And if he is in the lineup for the Sharks game, Benito will be playing the same night of arriving back in San Jose via an early morning flight. So be on the lookout for his performance and see if any fatigue is evident or plays a factor in his performance. Thank you for joining me for the Shark City Podcast. If at any time you would like to be a part of the show or share your opinion and takes on Sharks hockey, visit our SpeakPipe. That's our podcast message service. You can go to SpeakPipe.com com forward slash shark city hockey you have up to five minutes to give us your side of the puck and you could potentially be a part of the podcast don't forget to follow us on social media at shark city hockey that's across the board on twitter instagram and facebook you can also find us on youtube and twitch and of course for the latest episodes content and news regarding sounds of sharks you can find it all including 24 7 radio and tv at sharkcityhockey.com. I'm Aaron James. Let's go Sharks.